Hello and welcome to episode 3 of A Link to the Cast. I am Mark Robinson and with me as always from across the pond is Dave Ryan. Dave Ryan, what is your health status update for the week? Oh, I have some tales, Mark. I have some tales. Would you like to just jump into it straight away? I just want to jump straight into it right away. Okay, this was quite a time. Once we finished the podcast last week, I thought, you know what? I, I, I got my grievances out about my health issues with my aforementioned gross leg wound. And um, went downstairs, decided, you know, it's a Monday night. I'll watch Game of Thrones, as is my want. So sat down. I had just taken my antibiotic that, that I think I discussed last week. And I noticed towards the end of Game of Thrones, my tongue started swelling inside my head, which wasn't a good time at all. By the end of us, I don't think I told you this, did I? No, you did not tell me this. <laughs> oh, excellent. Live reactions. Um, by the end of the programme, I had quite a swollen tongue and casually mentioned it to Dan. I think very casually for someone who was rapidly running out of mouth space. And went upstairs, decided to ring. We have a, like, kind of... I don't know what your equivalent would be over in the UK. We have kind of like um, out-of-hours GPs um, that you can kind of just like phone up and they'll give you advice and tell you to come into like an all-night medical centre somewhere. Yeah, so I rang them. kind of have the NHS, but in a more shambolic form, I'd imagine. So Someday, Mark, I'm going to sit you down and explain how our health service works. And... Oh, believe me, I don't think ours is on any path of greatness at the moment. I think that, but... Again, I'll tell you someday. Anyway, okay, um, so I got in and yes, I had had an allergic reaction to this antibiotic. And what that resulted in then was because they were like, oh, the infection is very bad and you have the um, you have the allergy to the strong antibiotics. So we're going to switch you on to a weaker one and then we're just going to send you across to the hospital. There's a hospital across the road, send you across there to get it lanced. So what ended up happening was instead of me sitting down, watching Game of Thrones, going to sleep and then waking up the following morning to do my final essay for college, what ended up happening was I was in A&E till five in the morning trying to get basically um, a small incision on my leg to get rid of the thing. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, I've I've now been on antibiotic for a week this these new antibiotics rather than make my tongue swell up in my head which is not good uh these ones instead knock me out so i there was i mentioned on the first episode that i teach uh, that i'm training to be a teacher and they had the sports day last friday and because i had taken my antibiotics previous night i didn't wake up till nearly lunchtime the following day and completely missed that um so it's been a it's been a great week but look the leg is still attached to me um and third time's a charm with the podcast like I'm ready to roll. Oh, I'm I'm just I'm glad you're alive. Um, <laughs> it's you know what it's been touch and go. Uh, you know, it's, cause uh, the the last video game podcast I did, um, he suffered the fate of having a child. So I'm wondering of which is worse between losing a leg and having a child. But that's I guess a podcast for another day. Dave Ryan, what have you been playing this week? What have I been playing this week? I've not been playing very much because the aforementioned uh, gross leg wound has kept me knocked out a lot, and uh, as well as that, I've been. I've been finishing up a couple of things from college, so uh, I've been playing a couple of things. Mark, I'd like to start off my what I've been playing this week by uh, a kind of follow-up to what I was playing last week. Alpha One is breaking my heart, Mark. Why is it breaking your heart? <laughs> it's breaking my fucking heart, Mark. I came here and I, I, I proselytized about this show. I talked about how much I love it, how unique it is, and how there's just... These bugs that keep crashing the fucking game that I just couldn't get past and I had to wait till it was patched. The patch was supposed to come on Tuesday, which was the day after we recorded last week. It didn't arrive till, I think, Thursday. 
did the developers say anything about that? Why? Or just... um, they had said that as of when we recorded last week, they had submitted it to Sony for approval. So it was all on Sony's end to approve the patch. Right. So right. that was that wasn't on them. The patch was already in. Which you know, in fairness to them, they they can't control when Sony approves things. The first hurdle with this new patch, the patch downloads fine. The patch doesn't help patch out the problems in your save game. So you have to restart the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of like run through about an hour of, thankfully I remembered how to solve all the puzzles to get back to exactly where I was. And believe me, I would have gone into meltdown if I'd gotten that far again and the thing started crashing at the exact same point. I would have been very upset indeed. It didn't. I kept playing to the third, I was on the third of four major areas in the game that I'm aware of. There could be more, but it seems like there's four major areas. And then things started to start to go wrong again. I have had the game freeze on me a couple of times when I've tried to move in between locations. Because rather than um, those four locations all being kind of um, one world sandboxy, it's kind of like you go to the edge of one area and it kind of clips you out and you it loads in the next area. Um, it's frozen a couple of times, switching in between areas. There's one of the functions, a part of the story is that at any time when you're traveling through these this person's memory, you can hit triangle and warp back to a place called the case, which is like your headquarters where you can store important artifacts from inside the game, which can become, import- can become important later on when you're trying to move stuff around and solve kind of the harder puzzles. And I decided while I was sitting down in a chair in the case to teleport back into the game, and the game didn't like that, and I began <laughs> falling through the world um, nonstop. And I was like, fuck. So I quit the game. I went back into the game. And when I loaded up the game, I was still falling, even though I hadn't saved and there's no autosave on the game. So I was still falling. I managed to trick the game eventually because there's about a ha- when I loaded up, there's about a half second in between when it loaded up and I started falling again. And I very rapidly hit the triangle button to teleport so I wouldn't fall again. So I thought, okay, right, that's fixed. That was fucking weird. I you better sure not try. This to- isn't like some real kind of meta level puzzle that you were dealing with. If it is, my nose is just going to start bleeding. Um, <laughs> I just I won't be able to wrap my head around it. Yeah, so then I thought, okay, that's fine. So I played on for a couple hours more, I think. And then it froze one more time. I quit the game. I went to play FIFA or something like that for a couple of hours and then went to try and boot it back up again. And it just wouldn't load. the game. Like, it'll go into the game. It'll go into the, you know, continue last game or load last game you hit it and then just didn't fucking load so i don't know i can actually because my tv is on and it's on a low volume i can i I can live on the air when you're discussing the games you've been playing this week give an update to see if it actually will fucking load that sounds like a solid idea to me the mark it's just so upsetting because like the story of the game the narrative of the game i'm so into and playing with my headset on the virtual surround sound it's really immersive it's real kind of head fucky it's just it's an amazing experience i just wish it would work i'm just I'm like i'm just so frustrated and there's really like it's getting to the point where i don't know if it's worth continuing on um some people the the white paper games twitter page have reported that for some people deleting the game and re-downloading it with the patch is 
the best way to kind of clear the bugs out of it. I don't really want to do that unless it absolutely will not load back in again because uh, I, I have good bandwidth, but it's a bit unacceptable that you have to download. I think it's like a two gig game and then a three and a half gig patch. <laughs> right, yeah. Again, you know what I mean? My bandwidth is fine. I won't incur extra charges for it, but I'm talking. I'm thinking about other people who are in the same situation having to do that again. It's very unfortunate. But anyway, we'll move on before I start crying on the air. Um, the other game I've been playing this week and only really just uh, today since I got home from work is the new standalone I don't you wouldn't even really call it DLC it's a standalone kind of uh, couple of couple of mini episodes Wolfenstein the old blood uh, I don't know about you Mark but I love Wolfenstein it's one of those games where it just takes me back to my my youth playing on old kind of MS DOS computers and the like playing uh I, I, I enjoyed um I only played played about three or four hours of the uh New Blood, wasn't it? Or New Order. Uh, the New Order. The new, order, new, yeah, or, new Order Old Blood. It's, new, new world it can order. be confusing. Yeah. And I yeah, I, I got a really good vibe out of that. I really enjoyed the way that just this firing mechanics had a good kind of weighty feel to it. And I was enjoying the uh the story for uh, a franchise that, as far as I was aware, isn't one of its kind of key points. And um, no. it was saying that when I got round to getting a PS4, it is, it is saying that I will probably play at some point, and certainly with this uh, new uh, pack as well, and kind of play it in one go. It's, um, how would I, d- it, it, Wolfenstein is a real throwback for me to the kind of, the kind of shooter I like isn't the kind of shooter we get nowadays where it's kind of, it almost forces you to go into stealth mode for about half the game. I really, the shooters I had the most fun with growing up are the ones where you don't necessarily have to, but you certainly have the option when you wanted to just open the door into the room and empty a clip into the room and see what's standing at the end of it. Yeah. That's like, that's the kind of shooter that's fun for me. The dooms of the world, even the golden eyes where I could just, or perfect dark where I could just like, lace submachine guns into the room with no kind of pretenses towards stealth or anything like that but Wolfenstein is a lot of fun if you're a person who enjoyed the new order the old blood is certainly worth picking up it's very competitively priced I haven't played all that much of it maybe a couple of hours now at this point uh, but it's really it's like it's more of the same and I mean that in a good way so does it add any additional elements or literally just more it's story? a prequel it's a prequel to the game right. the new order and it's set in 1946 and you're obviously uh bj blaskowitz and you're going to castle wolfenstein to try and retrieve information and dossiers on general deathhead who is building some sort of nazi super soldier and that's where i'm at at the moment i'm i'm kind of going into the castle one room at a time uh killing electric nazis and it's it's great times um, um sorry go on yeah no no after you no, i was gonna say what have you been playing this week oh okay fair enough uh i have uh I, firstly i was playing arkham city uh for a little bit because i realized for some reason that it was on my ps3 list as a game that i'd purchased at some point and was just kind of sitting there and i was like I don't really have anything else to play at the moment. I'll play that. And I... There's this really weird misconception going around that Arkham City is, like, any good um, because 
that's just factually incorrect information. Um, now let's, let's set the, the stage here. I think Arkham Asylum is one of the best games of the last generation. Uh, I, I would put it in top five easily. Uh, Arkham City, on the other hand, is... It's interesting in that it takes most of the core mechanics and elements of Arkham Asylum, but just completely screws it up while using the same core fundamentals. Uh, just the pacing of it is really bad. The It has this general vibe of Rocksteady taking absolutely everything in the Batman lore and just kind of throwing it out the wall and seeing what happens, what might, you know, just if anything sticks... And it just it really flows really poorly because of that. I feel like the city itself is not very well laid out, and getting everywhere feels like a real arduous task. I also feel actually a good friend of mine, uh, my former podcast co-host Ross Morris, kind of said it best that Arkham City really feels like an Assassin's Creed game dressed up in a Batman outfit, and I don't really like the uh, the. Are, um, Assassin's Creed games. I've never really been a big fan of them. I feel that there uh, there's a lot of filler going on for the most part, and that's kind of what Arkham City feels like. It just feels like there's a lot of filler going on, with a lot of set pieces, and every now and again, there's a bit of a story. And certainly, the bit where you get into the museum and you have to find Penguin, that bit just drags on for so long. And the same thing happened as what happened the, the first time I played it. I just got to a point where it was like, this is not fun this is kind of boring and even though the combat's still really good and the weapons are really cool it just it, it just doesn't have I don't know a certain je ne sais quoi that uh, Asylum has uh, and I think a lot of it just comes down to the level design more than anything else Kevin Smith had this uh, saying about the Joel Schumacher Batman movies saying well you know better gay Batman than no Batman <laughs> And the way I always felt about Arkham City was kind of similar to that. It's like better a kind of muddled mess of a Batman game than no Batman game. I had fun when I played Arkham City. I don't have like strong memories of it like I do playing Arkham Asylum. It certainly wasn't as good as Arkham Asylum. It was a bit much of everything. Like I said, it's like an Assassin's Creed game where they try and throw 14,000 things at a wall and see what sticks. It came during that crest of a wave where every single game coming out, and I still don't think we're over that yet, every single game coming out has to be open-world sandbox, Yeah. when it didn't really need to be. Uh, Arkham Asylum certainly wasn't a massive open-world and didn't suffer for it, and probably benefited from it really. No, and Asylum, Asylum hit that nice um, middle ground of having a, a an element of open worldness about it but it still followed a kind of linear path but you know if you could get somewhere you could go and you could explore and you know it has that element of exploration about it um but it it was uh it was just designed well which is really boring way of putting it but it's it's true yeah for me that the arkham city thing i suppose like any fond memories i have is just attached to the like that i am a, a fan of like the batman comics Batman animated series, just Batman in general. So, like, any excuse to play around in that world in Gotham is A-OK by me. So it probably gets... It probably coasts by a little on that for me. But uh, I can absolutely see where your criticism come from. Like, And it's... When I think about games I'd want to revisit from the PS3 era, that isn't really standing out to me. Certainly Arkham Asylum would be. And I still... I don't think I ever traded in or got rid of my copy of Arkham Asylum. I think it's still sitting on my shelf somewhere, but Arkham City is long gone. And it's so why... That says it all, really. 
And it's why I'm looking forward to Arkham Knight, but I'm not sitting here clamouring like it's going to be the best thing. I am I wait with uh, bated breath. Yeah, I kind of, the way it looks with the Batmobile and the open world there, I'm certainly excited by how the game looks in certain respects, but the kind of, between how big it looks with the Batmobile stuff and this kind of being able to fight off enemies with two characters at once kind of thing. It's going to be a graphic sort of game dressed up as a Batman. It makes me feel like I'd be fine with a Grand Theft Auto game dressed up as a Batman game because I like Grand Theft Auto. But what I wouldn't be fine with is it, it seems a lot like Assassin's Creed before Assassin's Creed gets mechanics down, gets their side quests down, figure out what it is. They do. Let's do that, but more. Yeah. Every single game seems to be just more, let's throw more ideas at the wall, let's make the world even bigger, even though we haven't figured out how to do a smaller world yet. So that's my hesitation. Look, I still, cards on the table, I still have it pre-ordered, I'll still be buying it, because I really want What's wrong with this industry, Dave Ryan? I know, yeah, everything that's wrong with it. (laughs) I still want to play, because, again, better a muddled mess of a Batman game than no Batman game. That's up for discussion, but... Yeah, look, I you know I'm I'm just you slap a bat logo on it. I'm probably buying it. What can I say? I'm a like I'm an advertiser's wet dream. <laughs> but again, I'm not. I don't have sky high expectations, and I think that will hopefully make me enjoy it a bit more when I don't have sky high expectations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, uh, I bought a PS4. That that was a thing that happened this week. I've finally joined the new revolution, the new gaming sensation. After a year and a half, nearly, of me chipping away at you. Along those lines. Uh, as much as I keep chipping away at Majora's Mask is the greatest game ever. And I'm... Oh, 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 sorry to interrupt, but I have a live update oh. from uh, from Ether One After I've had it on trying to load up for the last ten minutes, and it's finally booted. I'm finally in the world. I don't know how functional it is. I'll, I'll give a report on Twitter or something later on. I'm just going to knock it off now and save energy. But uh, that's pleasant that I know my game isn't completely lost as yet. I'm I'm happy for you. I've been. I, I just I, please stop crashing, Ether One. I love you. <laughs> You're like an abusive spouse. I just I keep coming back because I just want to love it. I want it to be perfect. Anyway, more. Uh, you got a PS4. I got a PS4, and with that, I got a copy of Mortal Kombat X. And let me tell you, <laughs> I fucking love me some Mortal Kombat X. So, I I really enjoyed Mortal Kombat 9. I was pleasantly surprised with just how good it ended up being, because I like the original Mortal Kombat trilogy, but I am more than aware that as an actual fighting game, it's not great. It's it's the equivalent of, you know, a gimmick wrestler, like Doink the Clown. Uh, you know, more gimmick than wrestler, even though Matt Bourne was a great wrestler, but it's you're there for the gimmick. And Mortal it Kombat... The box quote for the next Mortal Kombat game. The Doink the Clown of fighting games. Yeah, you know. And obviously compared next to Street Fighter, uh, certainly if you were to compare now in this day and age Street Fighter 2, Mortal Kombat 2, you know, one has aged significantly more gracefully than the other. But back in the day, when I was a wee nipper, I fucking loved me some Mortal Kombat. Just hammer on the... B button, C buttons on my on my Mega Drive controller, and just beat the shit out of my friend, and it was great. And then rip someone's head off. It was it was lovely. I had a grand old time. Uh, and then the series, it fell into the trap that the Sonic the Hedgehog series currently has. In that, because the core mechanics of it aren't that great, uh, Sonic kind of gets away a bit more in terms of its older games. Actually, no, a better way of putting it is the core mechanics of those games 
don't didn't particularly translate well into kind of later generations as techno technology got more advanced there was more that could be done but they didn't actually advance the kind of core mechanics of those games uh and so we ended up with just a bunch of pretty poor mortal combat games in various forms and fashions and along with that we also got just a, a bloated cast of characters that were all completely forgettable which is kind of a shame because one of the key things about the original Mortal Kombat, Kombat games is that the you know most of the characters are actually really memorable um, even though well mainly around like the fatalities and their kind of signature moves but you know they had characters there was a there was a charisma about those games and so I was pleasantly surprised when I saw some footage and gameplay of um, Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe and even though there was the kind of outcry that the fatalities or heroic brutalities as they were called were a bit naff the actual combat and the actual fighting mechanics look pretty cool so i thought right more combat 9 we'll get on this they're kind of starting to go from scratch never realm studios let's do this and fucking thumbs up really really good really enjoyed it more combat x um so obviously first of all it's on playstation 4 it looks incredible um i'm kind of seeing this through unclouded eyes because it's the first game i've got on my ps4 so pretty much anything's gonna look beautiful but it fucking looks really nice it retains a lot of Mortal Kombat 9. There's just a really good weighty feel. The punches and the kicks and just the crunching of the bones. And it just... You know, it feels really satisfying when you connect with a punch. And that's... You know, I'm no violent person, but I enjoy that. I'm not going to go out in the street and beat the shit out of anyone because I have the fucking core strength of a 12-year-old. But in the palms of my hands with a controller, it's really good fun. One of the interesting things about Mortal Kombat now is that what made the series famous was its blood and its fatalities. And they're actually, the fatalities are kind of insignificant at this point because back in the day they were just a thing that, well they were a thing that, it was like a code, you know, and it was, you had to really decipher it and obviously we didn't have the internet to figure it out. But now the directions, the inputs for it, which are very simple, are just kind of there on the screen for you to figure out. Uh, and so they, they feel, they're just... They're really just part of the sideshow more than anything else now. But in its place, we have these things called brutalities. Um, and so they're like fatalities, but they actually happen in-game while the fight's still going on. And they usually, as far as I'm aware from what I've been looking into it, they're still the last move that you have to hit on your opponent, but you have to meet certain requirements. Uh, so, for example, Scorpion, he's first brutality. He does his thing where he whips out his chain. And then you have to like hit certain inputs, but you have to have over 50% of your health. Uh, and if you do it, you basically make the other person explode with your chain. And it's really good fun, but it's very difficult to do. And these requirements, they meet different formats. So, you know, you, you need to not be hit for seven seconds. You need to hit so many inputs. And they're actually really challenging. And I'm going to have a lot of fun over the next week or so going through a lot of those. And they're the kind of thing that if this becomes like an Evo game or whatever tournaments they end up doing if someone pulls one of those off that's going to be like proper fucking oh my god that's just so cool and badass and it's yeah that that i think is a really cool feature that they've added they've bloated the roster out a little bit more we've got now uh sort of younger relatives sons daughters cousins are some of our kind of main characters because this takes like place 20 years after more combat 9 but their inclusion is really cool and they've all got some pretty good stories, and I mean, the Mortal Kombat law is fucking absurd, and if you take it seriously, then you need to get your head checked, but... I'm just going to stop you there, it, just in case you uh, 
blaspheme against the first Mortal Kombat movie, I will get a plane over and kick your ass. No, 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 no. Let's not get it's anything... A, it's a schlocky classic, that one. Let's not get anything wrong here. I fucking adore the first Mortal Kombat film, all right? Mortal Kombat Annihilation can fuck off, but the first one is is a treasure. I mean, I love both them, that and Street Fighter, but for different reasons. Oh, dear. <laughs> it has a charm, a certain charm. <laughs> It's a weird charm. It's like um, that cousin who's a little bit weird, but, you know, he'll, like, eat a slug or something, and there's a charm to him, and you, you, eh, you're all right, you're pretty cool. Anyway, I'm off track now. Why'd you do that, Dave? I'll uh, take your word for it. <laughs> Besides Van Damme, obviously. Look, Raul Julius saves that film. Can we just agree on that? Okay, yeah, fine, yeah. He definitely, he chews every bit of scenery he can get his hands on. It's amazing. Hey, when you're dying, you might as well go out with a fucking grand statement, and boy, does he do that. Truth truth and um so i'm trying to think what else oh so now with some of the characters well all the characters they have three uh different styles of combat um, and the various tweaks like so scorpion he has like his kind of traditional tire and before he was turned into the kind of masked scorpion that you see before he died essentially and that's his kind of ninja jitsu style and then you've got his kind of ghost rider style if you will um and all the characters are different variations so it really kind of fills out uh the amount of customization you've got to really kind of find what character works for you and it's just it's just a really another solid entry um and it just it takes what they did right with the last one and just expands on it the story mode, uh, this is what I kind of liked about Mortal Kombat 9, is that they, instead of just having a single-player mode where you fight through, like, ten opponents and then you get a cutscene at the start and a cutscene at the end, you now play through an actual story. It plays like an interactive film to some degree because, you know, you'll see, like, five minutes of the story and then you'll have a fight for whatever reason. Uh, and it kind of does that as well. And it it doesn't hit the home run that the first one did. It's not... As absurd, I think, is the problem. Um, the story's a little bit clunky in a few places, and it decides to throw in some pretty shite quick-time events that are just completely inconsequential because the story progresses the same way regardless of whether you hit these QTs or not. If they had incorporated any sort of design into missing a, a quick-time event might trigger the story to go in a different direction... You know, you can all bring it obviously back to the, your kind of main story point that you want to go with, um, but it doesn't do any of that at all. So they just they're, they don't really serve a purpose. And with Mortal Kombat Nine, certain fights would have different uh, handicaps like placed against you. You might be facing off against two characters, or you might have like half your health. This doesn't do any of that, um, which I'm quite surprised by why they would take that element away. But other than that, it's really solid i've not tried the online yet apparently it's quite clunky at the moment i'm pretty sure never am i going to patch that up but if you like the last mortal kombat get this if you don't if you've not played the last one um and you don't have a fighting game want a fighting game definitely 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 would recommend this it's it's just it's a really really solid entry uh another solid entry in a series that was tarnished for many many years but they've got themselves back on track and i'm very happy with that i haven't uh played a Mortal Kombat game in a while, but I think I might pick this one up uh, at some point down the line when it's a bit cheaper. Uh, like I said, I'm, uh, fighting games don't really grab me as much as they used to when I was kind of younger, back in the day. But that said, I did play uh, another game by NetherRealm, uh, speaking of my fixation with all things Batman, Injustice Gods Among Us. 
and kind of like it was the right amount of silly and actually a pretty decent fighting game um the bit that definitely sold me in that game was uh, superman's special move which was he punched someone so hard they went into low earth orbit and then chased up after them so that he was there before them to punch them back down to earth and i was like Do you know what yeah 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 that's that's pretty great that is pretty great yeah and so, kind of if netherrealm are behind that game netherrealm behind this game so it stands to reason that at some point when it's kind of discounted i probably will pick up mortal Kombat. but because fighting games don't really kind of grab me i won't be in any particular rush for this one that's fair enough um but yeah the it has that same level of absurdity um the direction they take that absurdity is a bit more graphic and violent but you know, it's more combat so it needs to do that but if you enjoyed injustice i think that you will get some enjoyment out of mortal Kombat x cool cool shall we move on to the news yes it's it's been a relatively quiet week compared to the last couple of weeks of general insanity yeah i think as i was saying to you off air before we came on a lot of the big news is waiting for a couple of weeks we've got e3 coming up so that's going to be the uh, just a metric ton of news happening all at once so i think a lot of people are holding off on announcements until then rightly so when kind of like the eyes of the gaming world are on uh, the convention center but we got a couple of small bits of news uh, that we can talk about here the first, and we get it out of the way nice and quickly, it's just something I'm a little bit giddily excited about. Uh, we've got Lego Jurassic World is coming June 12th. What, how, do you, have you played many of these kind of Lego, branded Lego games that have been out in the last few years? I, I kind of put this in the, the agenda just to see, kind of, I'm curious what your thoughts are on these games. I've dabbled in Lego games of the last couple of years. I don't mind them. Uh, I certainly think that if you want a, a series of games to introduce to like a younger brother or a younger sister or you know a younger person who's kind of getting into games for the first time, they're a brilliant series to start with. Uh, for that reason alone, I'm I'm happy they exist. But for me, uh, I've never you know I've never found myself getting too heavily invested in them. Yeah, I pick and choose my Lego. It's not I don't kind of default buy all the Lego games. I remember playing Lego Star Wars when it came out, and that was the first one of those kind of ones. That was back. God, would that be PS2 now at this point? Yeah, around about that. Oof, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> and I loved that because it was so silly and it was so unlike anything at the time. Now we're kind of you know the the cat is out of the bag with the Lego games. We kind of know roughly what to expect, kind of. Uh, faithful kind of service to the fans but at the same time kind of not it doesn't take itself too seriously uh, i've enjoyed in particular in the past uh, lego marvel which is one of the games i got with my ps4 which was a hell of a lot of fun and you wouldn't expect a lego game necessarily to show off the graphical prowess of the ps4 but it did it was really really gorgeous uh, i picked up lego batman 3 last year last winter because i didn't there was a while where there wasn't really anything coming out and i was bored so i picked it up i didn't really enjoy that as much as i thought it was going to because at e3 last year when i saw lego batman in space were just so many boy words thrown together uh, like that just grabbed the kind of the the 10 year old uh, obsessive n64 player in my head uh, so i picked that up didn't enjoy it quite as much 
the freedom I'd been given in Lego Marvel with the massive kind of sandbox world, uh, I didn't get. They tried to restrict you a lot more uh, during the course of the campaign in that game. So didn't enjoy that as much. I'll kind of, it's a wait and see for Jurassic World for me. I love Jurassic Park as any person of my generation generally does. And I love Lego. So it's one I'll definitely be keeping an eye on if it, if people say it's good, I'll be picking it up. If not, might give this one a miss. We'll see. Moving on. Another, speaking of games that are coming out, finally, because we haven't heard much from them in a while, we got a, a teaser of a teaser for Doom. Bethesda released, I think it was today, released uh, a very short 11, 12 second teaser for a teaser for the gameplay teaser that they're going to show at E3. I so saw a monster with that. a backpack that had guns attached to it. I'm kind of, I'm on board. Yeah, there was just enough crazy in the 11 or 12 seconds to make me think, you know what? This this has the feel of Doom. Obviously, it looks a lot better than the original Doom games. This is a PS4 and Xbox One game. But I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, the ridiculousness of, ridiculousness of it all is that E3 doesn't start until June 16th, officially. Tradition has been for years that day zero, the day before the the doors open is when Sony and Microsoft get their press conferences out of the way and UB and EA are usually that same day as well. But Bethesda's conference is technically day minus one this year. It's not on the 16th when the conference opens. It's not on the 15th when most of the major developers and studios go. It's on June 14th. So, fucking, I don't know. I, I have a feeling we're just going to get to a point where E3 is just a month-long spectacular before long with the way people are just casually abandoning the days it's supposed to start on. Well, I mean, you've got... Uh, and I, <clears throat> They were kind of talking about this with um, Giant Bomb last week, I think it was, that you've got certain developers who aren't even bothering to go to E3 now, and I think you're going to see going forward developers finding their own way of announcing stuff like Nintendo have been doing, obviously, all of their kind of conferences of their own accord because getting booth space uh, E3 is a pretty expensive deal. Uh, yeah, I, and... think, I think going forward, the way it's going to be is if you're a developer, you're either going to pair with one of the console manufacturers, you're either going to show up on the Nintendo, Microsoft, or Sony conference. Or you're going to do kind of ape the Nintendo Direct sort of situation, have like a digital event and then go, well, look, we've got a small booth on the floor where you can go and play the game. Yeah. Which is kind of, that's fine. That seems to be the way things are going. I'm absolutely fine with that. But this whole kind of, Bethesda are holding a press conference, one of the standard hour, hour and a half press conferences on June 14th, at which they're going to be showing Doom. Presumably, unless they want a riot on their hands, they're going to be showing Fallout 4 as well. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, everyone's assuming that it's like between there is a leak this week that uh, Guillermo del Toro's production company have been charged with making the trailer that we're going to see for Fallout. But I think if anybody's been listening closely to the last couple of podcasts, anything, any sort of game with Guillermo del Toro's name on it is anything but solid. Mm-hmm. So he might be the kiss of death we mightn't see fallout this year i'm just going to not expect it and hope to be pleasantly surprised but yeah i'm looking forward to doom doom i think i might have alluded to on a previous podcast doom is the first game i ever played 
so I have a lot of fond memories of Doom. I still remember the cheat codes to Doom on the old, uh, on my dad's old computer. I can still type them away, IDKFA, all that sort of good stuff. But again, I hope that it like Wolfenstein. I hope it's a good transition, like Wolfenstein, where Wolfenstein is still a lot of fun. It looks radically different, but it's a lot of fun. That's what I'm hoping for from Doom. Fun trivia effect. I was working at Eurogamer a couple of years ago at uh, the Bethesda, um, working on Dishonored and the BFG 3D edition of Doom 3. Um, they had all the booths set up, and I was kind of guiding people around and telling them about the games. And I, I, it struck, it pained me to try and convince people to buy this 3D edition of Doom 3 because it just, it was Doom 3, but in 3D and i got to be honest, Doom 3 hasn't aged particularly well. <laughs> no, it hasn't. But look, again, I hope it's kind of like a, like a Wolfenstein situation where they get the not-so-great game out of the way early on, and then by the time it gets to Wolfenstein's one will be the new order, by the time it gets to that, they've figured out the nice balance between current-gen graphics and old-school fun and reverence to the actual kind of... Well, I'm sure that they will um, have seen how Wolfenstein was presented last year and used that as a reference point, maybe, if nothing else, just to get that right blend of... You've got to think so. They're closely tied enough that if you got Wolfenstein the New Order, you were promised access to yeah. the Doom beta. So, you know, they've they've got their eye on it. They've Hopefully they've seen how well-received the New Order was and that the Old Blood probably is. And um, they've got to think that's the way to go. You know, look good, look like a new game, but have kind of old Doom sensibilities about it at the same time. Throw in the BFG. Well, that's all I ask. I think it's mandatory at this point. I think so. Uh, right, we'll move on. And um, interesting news out of Capcom. And I say interesting. It's not really that earth-shattering a bit of news, but I put it in here because it's kind of refreshing for a developer to just say, put their hands up and say this is what they're doing. Capcom have announced that their priority now in terms of releasing games are HD collections of old games rather than new IP or new versions of kind of existing IP. Uh, what did you think about this story? Um, to be fair, I came to that conclusion when they decided to announce a remaster of a remaster I'm just waiting for, in five years' time, when we get the fourth remaster of Resident Evil, at which point I just I wash my hands of video games. I think it nearly... Uh, you made one reference to the Bombcast, and not to become uh, too kind of fanboyish for the Bombcast, but I think that news that... Um, at the time, I think, when they were... and They announced they were rebooting a reboot, nearly broke Jeff Gersman, just the, the, the logic loop of it. Um... You know, they're going where the money is. You can't fault them in a business sense. They're kind of looking at where they're making money. And they say in the article from IGN that they realize that the consumer base is reacting quite well to the the HD collections that are coming out. So why work on a new IP when they can just rake in the cash on HD collections? I don't exactly. blame them. It's consumer and trends. I, I must uh, say I look forward to that remaster of uh, Steel Battalion Heavy Armor uh, for the Connect. you know? <laughs> I'm just, I'm fucking thrilled um, by the idea of that. 
Uh, one of the reasons I, I put this story in is that I wanted to ask you a question and see what you thought about this, because it's something that I've been mulling over a lot recently. Is this the year HD collections jump the shark? Um... Because you've got, for Sony and Microsoft, neither of them have particularly strong fall schedules, or autumn schedules, as we would say, for the kind of, the key period where people are buying games and the build-up to Christmas. There's not a lot of new stuff coming out. Obviously, Microsoft have Halo. Sony don't really have anything that's coming up. The easiest thing to fill all those kind of gaps are going to be well, this is the thing, right? I mean, we've seen a number of re-releases, HD releases over the last couple of years. Um, stuff like the God of War trilogy, the Devil May Cry trilogy, the Silent Two and Three. You know, stuff like that. I'm okay with because they usually come at a pretty good price, and you know, fuck, it's fun to go black and go back, go black, uh, and play it, that was a full part, uh, go back and play those kind of games, um, because they're, you know, pretty good, and it's just, just I, I've got no yeah. issue with that kind of stuff, I do see where you're coming from, that it is getting a little bit crazy, and the announcement of the Gears of War trilogy HD remaster should come as a surprise to no one, and to be fair, I'm fine with that, because I've, I'll be the first to say, I fucking love the Gears of War trilogy, and I would happily play a HD remastering of them not going to buy an Xbox One for it, but it's, I'm fine with that being there. Um, really, for me, the key things here, uh, and I mean this genuinely, is, I mean, I don't know what the situation is, who owns whatever, but I'd like to see a Power Stone HD remaster. I'd be curious to see a Dino Crisis remaster. <laughs> I, um, My thoughts on the whole... HD collection phenomenon are very similar to yourself where I'm absolutely fine with it at the moment I think in the games industry the market dictates as long as people are buying the HD collections they're going to be re-released so if you have a problem with it stop fucking complaining and vote with your wallet well, stop yeah, buying mean, them and they'll get exactly, the message we, we say this kind of um, same thing about DLC and that ain't going away anytime soon yeah this thing people are still buying it uh, but at the same time People aren't being forced to buy no. the HD collections. So you're not under compulsion to play everything that comes out. So I'm quite satisfied with, like, I have a couple of HD collections sitting up there. I have DM in my backlog. I have DMC because I never got to, got to it on PS3. So I, I'm looking forward to getting to play that on PS4. Uh, I bought, even though I had played through, I had I bought The Last of Us on PS4 just because it's the fucking Last of Us. So I was obviously going to buy that because I don't have my PS3 anymore and I would like to continue to go back to what was one of my favourite experiences of the last generation. All sorts of kind of, I like that the option is there and there are some games that I have in the back of my head, like a little fantasy wish list of two games in particular that I think I really want brought to PS4, Xbox One just so that I can play them again. I'll probably pick up Gears later in the year. I mentioned uh, last week that I have an Xbox One now Booth. that I got a, a month or two ago <laughs> but I never played Gears of War so that's ideal for me if they do a Gears of War HD trilogy I'm going to go right I'll pick that up and I'll get to play through it and I have two controllers so I'll get to play through a co-op if I want to which would be fantastic a lot of fun uh, the two that I really want and then I'd be quite like I'd be fine if they kept making HD collections or never made any again once they give me the bioshock trilogy and red dead redemption hd 
What comes first, a HD remake of Red Dead or the PC version of Red Dead? <laughs> I would imagine, perhaps like with GTA Five, they come at roughly yeah, the same time, which means never. Uh, I think it's. An, I think it's. I think it's a nice way. Um, I was thinking about it. I've always thought about it as it's a nice strategy for a developer or a studio to remind you of a game series before they announce yeah. the next one. You know what I mean? It 2K last year in their I think it was their autumn conference call said that in particular reference to the two series the two franchises I just mentioned, Bioshock and Red Dead, that they're both ongoing franchises. So that there will be more content coming with those brands on them. I think the best way, because it's been was it 2010 or 2000? Was it 2010 that Red Dead came out? It was a long time ago, anyway. Mm, it might be uh, a, just a little bit before that. I'm gonna look it up. You keep talking. Um, yeah, it's been a while, anyway. Since I'm saying Red 2009. It's been. It was March 2013 that Bioshock Infinite came out. So I think the best way to remind people about those respective series and make a nice little bit of cash in the process is to go no do you know what this christmas pick yourself up red dead redemption hd you don't even need to do i know the architecture of the ps3 is such a fucking mess that you probably will have to do a bit of work to get it working on ps4 because they're completely different systems but again it's relatively little effort because you're not building a whole game from the ground up to, and it, it was Red Dead Redemption was one of the best games of last generation. Don't know if there's much argument against that. It was absolutely fantastic, and would still hold up today. The same with it was 2010. You win this time, Dave Ryan. 2010, oh, nailed it. And I know I just remember that Infinite was uh, 2013 because 2013 for me anyway was the year that I kind of like really really got back uh, almost dangerously addicted to games, and that was the year of Bioshock Infinite and last of us coming out and that was a grand old time yeah. as you would say yourself uh, final couple of news stories before we get into the book club project morpheus according to a i believe it's a is it a, a japanese business website or newspaper or something to that effect they are reporting that project morpheus will be arriving on the market june 2016 so that would make me think that we're going to get a significant portion of Sony's conference at E3 dedicated to Morpheus or whatever it's actually going awesome. to be Awesome, so we can look forward to seeing a lot of footage of people wearing the Project Morpheus. It will be the powers segment of this year's E3 conference. You know, that 10 minutes during the Sony conference where you're just like, they're really knocking it out of the park here, but oh, here's my here's my chance to go to the toilet because I yeah. don't care about this part. <laughs> uh, you know, it's great, uh, the pioneering technology behind Morpheus and Oculus and all this sort of stuff. Fantastic in theory, I really appreciate it, but I think it's one of those things where I am not remotely sold on it as a thing, and it seems like something where I'm going to have to get hands-on experience with it to be even well, yeah, of sold course. on the thing. You're not going to know exactly what it's like I'm until not... you're wearing it, and you... yeah, of course. It's not, uh, but... I'm... I'll see what happens at E3 if I don't need to go to the bathroom during that part. Um, because I think the, at this point the Vita sizzle reel is a bit too short to make it to Does the Does it even exist? Back. That's how little they care about the Vita. Oh no, they do. They tack it on when they start talking about the oh, indie okay. studios, but it's more like they're coming to all platforms, including Vita. 
Uh, right, final two news stories. GTA passes 5 million physical copies in the UK alone. Fucking hell, Mark. I, I don't really know what more needs to be said than that, uh, other than good. It's... That game is a fucking juggernaut. I, I don't know. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about GTA uh, either on the show or off it. I, I but don't. I, I, I feel. Love I feel GTA for 5. what this uh, what this podcast is. I'm sure that Grand Theft Auto will come up at some point. Maybe not about GTA Five, but I'm sure it will come up. We won't do a massive segue now, but I I love GTA Five, especially after I was bitterly disappointed with GTA Four personally, um, just because it kind of veered a bit. Too far away from the silly campness of the original games, but I think a lot of that got brought back in. Did you not want to go bowling, Dave? No, no, I did not want to go bowling. I never wanted to go bowling. Okay, cousin, maybe another time. Uh, (laughs) I think, yeah, I I remember being bitterly disappointed in it. I love GTA 5. GTA Online is a hell of a lot of fun, and I'm going to talk about that some week because I've started dipping back into that now. I'm going to have to get GTA 5 for the PS4, aren't I? I've just thought about that. Yes, yeah. You need to join my my gang, Mark. You have told me about your gang, actually, yes, thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I know everybody listening, absolutely jealous. Uh, our emblem is a skull with angel wings with a tiny unicorn. I'm in pretty the right sure eye. that's just the um, so. Avenged Sevenfold logo. <laughs> our tagline on the Rockstar Social Club is that we are the world's most fabulous <laughs> bank robbers. And we, we attempt to live up to that moniker uh, every single day. But uh, we'll move on anyway, because, like you said, GTA, it's a, quite a big deal. We'll probably talk about it more in the future. Assassin's fuck Creed. <laughs> I wanted to put this in just to fuck with you. Assassin's Creed 1886, or whatever the fuck. Uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate was announced this week. Well, we knew it had been leaked months ago that we were going to have a new Assassin's Creed game. It was going to be set in Victorian London, which is becoming the new steampunk. That it's Victorian London is just going to be shoehorned into any fucking game. Uh, have you read anything about this? No, because I think? couldn't give a fuck. I read <laughs> the fucking wall of noise that was the eighty-four different variations of pre-ordering content that you could get, and I went, "I this can suck my dick." I have no fucking interest whatsoever. It felt very much like, apart from the one bit that popped me, that for some reason in some of the concept art there was a person who looked suspiciously like Brock Lesnar and another person who suspiciously looked like Frank Mir. There was that. Um, yeah, that was a staple of uh, Victorian steampunk. Exactly, yeah. Well, I, you know, Brock Lesnar could be a time traveller, I'm not going to stop him. But the thing that's kind of like, I'm, I'm looking at the, the details about Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and I'm just thinking, it sounds a lot like, okay, we're stripping out multiplayer, there's no multiplayer in this, so we're stripping out multiplayer, arguably because it's too much work. We're going to focus on single player, which is good in one respect, because they haven't figured out how to make a very, very good single-player game yet, so there's probably focus on that before trying to do multiplayer at the same time. And just because everybody went nuts about it last year, they're putting in a female playable character just to kind of appease everybody who went nuts that you couldn't uh, that you couldn't pick a female character, at, you know, rightfully so, that you can, you know, pick a character but they can't be female. 
uh, and then kind of Ubisoft made a less than classy reaction to that and kind of there was a bit of a media to do over that. But yeah, like you said, I don't really... Assassin's Creed has never really done it for me. Just I not... have I picked up Assassin's Creed... When I got my Xbox, um, I was in Smith's, a fantastic toys and electronics shop over here. And uh, that's where I picked up my Xbox. And they had uh, Assassin's Creed Unity for 20 quid. And I couldn't really say no. So picked it up. It's still sitting in the box. I haven't played it. It's part of this infamous backlog. I was actually going to compile the list to read out to you, the backlog of games I have to play now that I'm finished work and college for the summer. Uh, it's intimidating to say the least. I think it's the best part of 20 games that I've picked up in sales or physically at some point and have just been too busy since September to actually properly commit to. I have the most intimidating of all is I, <laughs> I have Dragon Age Inquisition and I just know that I'm going to get completely lost in that and not come up for days. So... That's been... Well, if if I don't hear from you, I'll presume why. All I want to say about Assassin's Creed is that uh, I'm fine with the first two Assassin's Creed games. I think they actually had some relatively solid design and ideas for the time. Um, I think, by all accounts, Assassin's Creed Two seems to have been the kind of the the one everybody can agree on was probably the best one. Yeah, because it was before it went fucking crazy with filling the games and well, essentially just. It's the the open world Ubisoft trope that Ubisoft does now, where it just fills it with so much content that doesn't need to be there other than just to fucking fill time. And then just the nonsense around... I don't want to bang on about the pre-ordering and, and whatnot too much, but Unity was released in such a broken mess last year that I find it incomprehensible and inconceivable... Are you saying you're not a fan of horrible, faceless monsters? Well, Andros from Star Fox, uh, regardless. <laughs> I just I find it astonishing that anyone would give a company any money before the game is released after releasing something like that. I find it fucking astonishing. Bulls and yeah, the I'm just Bulls I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I thought Black Flag was really good. I thought that actually was um, close to getting it back into somewhere that even though I didn't like a lot of the game design elements, the actual characters and the setting was really cool and then yeah, they just fucked it up again. I couldn't give a shit about Assassin's Creed at this point. And on that high note, Mark, I think it's time to move on over to the Link to the Cast book club. I am Andrew Ryan and I'm here to ask you a question. Is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? No, says the man in Washington, it belongs to the poor. No, says the man in the Vatican, it belongs to God. No, says the man in Moscow, it belongs to everyone. I rejected those answers. Instead, I chose something different. I chose the impossible. I chose rapture. artist would not fear the censor, where the scientist would not be bound by petty morality, where the great would not be constrained by the small. And with the sweat of your brow, rapture can become your city. Bioshock is a first-person shooter video game that was released back in 2007 by 2K Boston that would later become Irrational Games. 
and was the the vision of Ken Levine. Um, it's a game that still holds up today. Um, it's a game that was a spiritual successor to a spiritual sequel, shall we say, to uh, System Shock 2, a game that is revered by game fans alike. Um, it's just... Where do we even start with this, Dave? Um, well, I want, to, I want to preface this by saying, if you have gone eight years without playing Bioshock, <laughs> stop the podcast, go down to your local GameStop. You can get it for like three it, quid. Come back, play it, and then listen. There are going to be spoilers coming up. Uh, normally, I don't like to, you know, spoil it up. But this is a game, like I said, that's been out for eight years now at this point. I think it's safe to say that we can talk about it. And if you yes. haven't played it yet, you should really get on that. And definitely come back and finish the podcast because we we want the, the traffic. We want the, the clicks. But we, We're all about the clicks over here. Yeah, I have I have some... like I before, before we get into it, I love Bioshock. I have some thoughts that I want to express. Perhaps some that are controversial. We're going to get into it here, so I'll... I'll kind of, I'll leave you lead things off. This is your book club selection, so we'll talk about it. Okay. You can kind of lead the discussion here. So the, the story uh, tells of the protagonist, Jack, who uh, crashes in his airplane into the ocean. This is in the 1960s. Uh, and he ends up making his way down to the underwater city of Rapture. And both Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, and we can kind of make some comparisons between the two of them, in terms of being games that set the scene, uh, in terms of world building, there are few games that match Bioshock for almost giving you fearless. almost fearless for giving you an introduction to the world that you're about to enter. Um, if you haven't played it, I'm not going to say anything. You just go and do it. If you have played it, you know exactly what I mean, and you can go and watch the video of it now on YouTube and. I just remember the first time seeing that and my jaw gasp. And they managed to fucking do it again with Bioshock Infinite as well. Um, yeah, we won't talk too much about Infinite. Um, so from there, you make your way through uh, and just pretty quickly you get this just real sense of claustrophobia, um, you know, being underwater at all times. And just, yeah, the scene that it sets... I. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to pass it over to you and, and let you respond to your thoughts on that. I think, and not to be that guy, I know your gimmick is Majora's Mask and mine seems to be Silent Hill, but possibly since Silent Hill 2, where, as I said last week, I believe that it was the game that realized that the town was the main character in the game. Rapture is one of the, like you said, the most immersive the most complete, the most awe-inspiring game worlds I have ever been in. Bar none. I think, hopefully, we've played the clip before this uh, before this feature where you hear the voice of Andrew Ryan talking about Rapture, and it's a very kind of Randian kind of um, selfish society that he's built under the water. It is an amazing reveal going down in the bathosphere. It is amazing going around there. It, you know, you say it's a first-person shooter, but a lot of it, and it's not something that's uh, that kind of stays with all the Bioshock games because there's certainly a different vibe off Infinite. But there's considerable horror elements to this game. 
um, it has the classic horror trope of the start at the start of the kind of you insufficiently equipped deal with an enemy, a very scary enemy who's in the dark somewhere and you don't know where. Shall we get into the the story? The kind of the well, before you say that, before we go into that, I mean the key thing I think to really take away is when you think of the time of when Bioshock came out. You know, this was around the time where the the online multiplayer scene of the Xbox 360 was really coming into its own with Call of Duty Modern Warfare or Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. And the key thing you mentioned there is the idea of being able to take that element of making you really feel like that you was kind of fucked at all occasions by hopeless the... and alone. Yeah. And I I'm fine with Call of Duty Four. I it's I actually quite enjoyed the, the storyline campaign in that. But it doesn't have that that kind of key ingredient yeah. of um really making you feel, you know, really making you feel like you're there and that you're a part of that environment and as you said, making you feel alone and trapped. I'll give you the timeline for me on Bioshock. Uh, Bioshock came out, like you said, in 2007, which is at a time where I had just started college um, when I did my undergrad, and I really was kind of out of love with games at that point. I wasn't playing them an awful lot, kind of apart from my usual go-to of FIFA and the odd game here or there. So uh, Bioshock, even though I had heard the great things about it, completely missed me at the time. It wasn't until... I think Infinite was nearly out because, like I said, there was that space between 2007 and 2000 and late 2012, early 2013, where I really wasn't playing anything. But the first time I saw a teaser or a TV spot or something for Bioshock Infinite, I went out and pre-ordered it and said, you know what, I should play the... Even though they said, uh, canonically speaking, they're separate worlds and all this, I still wanted to play the first one. Although everybody had warned me against playing the second one so i so this is me kind of late 2012 early 2013 getting to this and kind of it just like you said it just blows your mind there's there was nothing like it at the time there was still nothing like it in late 2012 when i was playing it and it's something i could easily go back to now say in the form of an hd collection hint hint um (laughs) but um some of the things I want to talk about here, it's it's hard to, like you said, it's hard to kind of, what do I jump to? What do I talk about? Should we talk about the the big kind of, the the big moment everybody talks about? Yeah, we, yeah, we can go there. The, so when you arrive in Rapture, you encounter through um, a kind of headset or a kind of a voice box, this character of Atlas this man who is kind of your um you're kind of your sherpa going through rapture telling you what to do telling you all about andrew ryan he's the man who the audio logs help considerably as well but he very much kind of establishes the world for you establishes the history of rapture building up this andrew ryan guy this mythical figure and then how do you even mark how do you even talk about would you kindly it's it's hard to do, uh, and it kind of defeats the purpose of me saying this, because obviously we do a podcast to talk about it, but it's it's hard to say without you playing it to really understand it, because the key thing is when you play it for the first time, you don't you don't realise it, you know, until yeah. that moment when the penny drops, and that's the, the genius of it. Yeah, it's absolute, it is one of the best 
storytelling twists ever in a video game for me anyway one of the moments where like i had and Bi- Bioshock has done it to me several times because, uh, and it will be a future book club entrant, but Bioshock Infinite certainly did the same kind of jaw hanging on the floor moment. You know, so there's that, that moment with the would you kindly, I'm not going to kind of go blow by blow for it because presumably the only people still listening are people who have played it themselves. Um, just that, it's just mind blowing and the kind of like, oh, I should have seen it. And then like every that's where the replay value for Bioshock comes in as well a lot, not just because it's a great game and the mechanics are, are pretty damn good as well. Going through and looking at the audio logs, listening to Atlas and seeing how you should have seen it coming, that it was surprisingly signposted for something that caught you by surprise. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like a lot of the, a lot of the things that uh, was done in the original Bioshock, they tried to, I feel like it was almost, and this is going to get a little bit controversial, because I'm not as big of a fan as Bioshock Infinite as you are. Not oh, to say that I don't like it. We're certainly about to have a discussion coming up in a few moments, Yeah, continue. But I feel there are certain elements that were, feel more forced into Infinite, and one of those is the audio logs. Um, their implementation in the original Bioshock is a, uh, a piece of genius in terms of giving you more of a story of of rapture and and giving it away to you that isn't that isn't just kind of lazily lazily hashed in you know it's the, the it's the kind of half life approach of giving you the story as you play in game and you know the one of the biggest comparisons you can really give to Bioshock is half life because you you know you see the the game you see the story through the eyes of the main character uh, and you you know you essentially are the main character uh, and there's very few games that can do that and do it well. Bioshock, Half-Life, you know, two of those games that do it very, very well. Uh, I think, kind of, to uh, continue on that comparison between Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, the controversial thing I have to say, brace yourself, are you sitting down, are you sitting comfortably? I'm sitting. Not comfortably, because this chair sucks. <laughs> I think... I don't know how to word this to make you not come and kick my ass. I think the way story is structured in Bioshock Infinite, the three acts, the order in which they happen, is better structured than the original Bioshock. And I will explain why before you scream at me for the next I won't do no such thing because it'll clip the microphone and then it'll be a hassle to <laughs> edit this afterwards. The twist happens in the original Bioshock and then you keep playing for several hours. <laughs> culminating... Like, yeah. several hours of fetch quests that don't really advance the story, culminating in a pointless, truly pointless boss battle, which really isn't kind of, really doesn't do a service to the amazing first and second acts of that game. If that game ends with you realizing the would you kindly and clubbing the shit out of Andrew Ryan, and the game just fucking ends. That is art. That is perfection. But it nothing that follows that needed to happen. There are a couple. There are a couple of cool scenes later on in the game that people might bring up. Some of the stuff where, like, when you realize Atlas is Frank Fontaine, and some of the stuff he says is quite interesting. But again, you could elongate that. Would you kindly kind of that scene to get that information in? The other 
thing that someone brought up to me when I mentioned my kind of preference for Bioshock Infinite brought up to me is the scene where you awake in the room with the little sisters and depending on whether you've been harvesting them or saving them they'll react differently to you they'll either be playing around on their beds or they'll be cowering in the corner afraid of you that's a that's a cool enough scene but for me pretty much everything that follows would you kindly is it just feels like letting the air out of the balloon bioshock infinite bioshock infinite the thing about Bioshock Infinite is that it drags in the middle. There is, I will grant you now, I love the com, like I love everything about Bioshock Infinite. I've platinumed it and everything like that. I cannot get enough of it. I will absolutely play through it again at some point. I would love the HD version. Blah, blah, blah. But the thing about Bioshock is Bioshock drags a little bit in the middle. I can understand people who aren't necessarily feeling the combat and want more story. There is a couple of hours in there where it's almost all combat and very little story gets advanced. I understand that criticism absolutely. But the thing you can't fault Bioshock on is that Bioshock ends at exactly the right time. Bioshock, sorry, Bioshock Infinite ends at exactly the right time. The big twist at the end, which again... Like I said, it's probably going to be a future book club entrance, so we won't get too much into the actual story of Bioshock. But the big event happens, and the game ends. You see where I'm coming from here? Yes. Now, I mean, this the I shall you know point out this at this point that um, even though we're doing this book club thing, that there are games that there are certain critiques to be pointed at with those games, and I do totally agree that absolutely yeah. one of the biggest issues with the original Bioshock is, as you say, after that twist and the the kind of final boss fight, yeah. um, it does falter at that point significantly. I do feel that up until that point, though, it, it's a a near flawless piece oh, yeah. Yeah. of storytelling and scene building and character building and all yeah, of that absolutely like i know that the role of this segment is to talk about kind of a love letter to our favorite games and this is still don't do not get me wrong this is still one of my favorite games oh yeah and i do think like like we said if that game ends with would you kindly all that jazz if it just ends there it is hands down better than bioshock infinite because i love bioshock infinite but rapture is far more atmospheric than columbia yeah, and you know I mean? one of the it, other things like, I still love Columbia, but I can, I can kind of objectively look at it and realize that Rapture is a better world building, and you know character building. I love the characters in Bioshock Infinite, so I'm slightly biased in that way. Um, so I don't know so much about that, but I can definitely look and say, look, Rapture definitely a better setting, a better world, a better feel than Columbia. So I can. Like I said, it's just that bit that lets it down. And I just kind of wanted to get that bit in there um, just before. And like for me, one of the key things and one of the, you know, the big vocal points about the original Bioshock are the big daddies. And those fights, you know, they are some of the more intense moments I've had playing video games. Uh And that's kind of, that kind of speaks for me really about Bioshock as a whole. I, all of the fights in that game, all of the times that you're in combat, it always feels like a life or death situation. It also feels very intense because of the claustrophobic environment you're in, because of the splices and the way that they are, uh, because of the confined environment you're in, and just because of the the just the fucking the presence of the big daddies. It, it has that atmosphere that Infinite lacks. The thing is, like, I think it's um, 
and again, not to, because we could be here talking forever about these games because it's one of my favorite hobbies, but I think you've got to look at them as slightly different. This is such a weird comparison to make, but it's like looking at Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. <laughs> not Terminator, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. both excellent movies. Terminator 1 is a horror movie. Terminator 2 is an action movie. Bioshock 1 is a, is a first-person shooter with incredible horror elements to it. Bioshock Infinite is an incredible first-person shooter that's more gunslinging, swashbuckling It's an action, action film. Yeah. yeah. With weird quantum physics in it. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and other elements. Um, but the key thing out of all of that is it's why I think that I, and I think a lot of other people, prefer the combat in the original Bioshock because there isn't really that much difference between the two games you know you yeah. still have a gun and you still have your plasmids, plasmids or whatever fingers, variation yeah. but because because of the confined space in the original bioshock it lends itself so that i feel a lot more more um i feel yeah. the shooting in infinite is a bit more just because it's so much more in an open world environment you realize that the combat's a little bit looser than you'd like and you'd like to be able to kind of really hone in on things a little bit better but the weapons that you have available to you don't really lend themselves to that kind of style and maybe it partly is because partly because um to that point by this point we've been blessed cursed whatever with you know a lot of your kind of modern shooters and they have all the hone in sniping types of shooting um and obviously the weaponry, weaponry in the Bioshock games is not that advanced. You're not really going to have that kind of thing. Uh, but because of that, I, I do think that, and I totally agree that the, the actual tone of the games are totally different. But the shooting is the same, and I think that it lends itself a lot more to the original Bioshock. Absolutely, like I think if we're going to kind of, which is why the big it. daddy fights are that much better than the I can't remember what the hell they're called in Infinite Handyman. Handyman. Yeah, I fucking hate the handyman fights. Though. Oh like, man, I just. I, there's a not to talk to me because there will be I, I promise there will be a day where we talk about Bioshock Infinite but there's a trophy on that game to get the platinum where you have to uh, kill the handyman by only shooting it in the heart which um, I don't even want to talk about how that get trying to get that trophy made me feel um, it was a bad time it was a bad bad time but um, no I think if we're going to close on it I don't want to come off as if I had been too negative about Bioshock it's just kind of I had that one thought about it that I kind of wanted to get out there but it certainly is it is absolutely one of the best games I've ever played um, and I think if you haven't played it if you haven't touched the Bioshock series get yourself Bioshock get yourself Bioshock Infinite and to tie up the whole universe get the Burial at Sea DLC to kind of if you're really into that world if you want kind of more story you want it, You want more Tales of Rapture, more Tales of Columbia, get that DLC and treat yourself. Um, Bioshock 2, from what I know of it, because I haven't played it, from what I know of it... You've never played be... Bioshock 2? No, because I I have almost been slapped in the face by people at the very thought that I would dare to try and play it, because it... I almost want to garners. slap you in the face for not playing it. Is it good? Like, this is the thing... Right. It's, no, 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 no. It's it's not whether the I think that it's a good game or a bad game. It's just it's part of that universe. So why would you? It's like I know Terminus, uh, Terminus, Terminator Genesis is going to be a piece of shit, but it's still part of the Terminator universe, and I'm going like to see the, it I like for the, that you brought reason. It back to Terminator. I like that you brought it back to Terminator. Um, 
no, it's just that like literally over half a dozen separate people who don't really know each other. When I said my plan when I bought Bioshock, because I bought the Ultimate Rapture edition, so I had Bioshock and Bioshock 2. And I was going to play through both of them before Infinite came out. And I had people like vitriolically tell me not to even dare to touch Bioshock 2. Those people are broken inside. To the extent where I was kind of like, you know, no matter, even if it's a part of the franchise, no matter, like, if enough people that you generally trust start telling you just don't even because it's awful, you're not going to really feel enthused about playing the game. You know what I mean? Dave, my word is gospel. It's not that bad. Okay, well, once, once E3 passes and 2K definitely listen to this podcast and release the Bioshock HD trilogy, I will play it. It, it has some elements that are quite good, and it has a better ending than the original Bioshock, which, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, is well, particularly difficult. Yeah, in fairness. Um, yeah, well, I might play that, so. But yeah, basically, Bioshock, big thumbs up. Play it or sort your life out. And please give us a HD remaster for the PS4. Oh, please, just a trilogy. That'd be fantastic. Um, so I think the only thing left to do before we sign off is to... Uh, it's my choice next week for our book club. And what have you got for me? I've been milling this one over, Mark. I've thought, it's a book club. We should be talking about the greatest games of all time. I almost felt there was a responsibility on me to drag us back to the 90s or the 80s or something like that. But I'm not going to do that this time. Because we're going to get back there in our own time. Oh, but, don't worry. We, we will be going to early 90s Capcom at some oh, point. Yes. I will, yes. without fail. When I started thinking about Bioshock, and I said before that Bioshock came around at a time where I wasn't playing a lot of games. So, in 2012, 2013, there was a period where I was rapidly catching up on games I hadn't really played. And I want to talk about one of those games next week, I think, Mark. A because little FIFA game. Twelve, I'm going. No, FIFA Twelve was a solid game, Mark. They really got back on track with FIFA Ten, but look, I'm I'm not going to put FIFA. I wouldn't subject you to putting FIFA in the book club. Don't worry. The game I want to talk about is a little game I played towards the end of 2012. Managed not to have it ruined on me or anything like that. Just being just by being told it was awesome. The game I'm going to bring us back to is Portal. Ha <laughs> ha. So that that is our book club game for next week. And it's a nice short game as well. So if people want to play it and then listen to us next week, you have more than enough time in seven days to get through it. It's uh, quite short. It's um, one of the few games that uh, Yahtzee pretty much universally praised from beginning I, to end. I'm pretty much... I, I th- almost certain I can quote his review word for word. <laughs> his Absolutely review sublime and I will jam forks into my yeah, eyes if absolutely. I ever say that again. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely sublime from start to finish, and I'll jam forks in my eyes if I ever say that about anything again. If you don't like Portal, fuck you, you're stupid. <laughs> That's pretty much it, actually. Right, we don't fucking need to do it next week, no. Yeah, it's the um, same. But yes, next week, Portal. That's my that's my shout. Grand choice. I'm very much looking forward to it, and I'm probably going to have to go and play it again now. Oh, poor you. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Two hours of my life taken up. <laughs> okay, well, uh, again... Once again, thank you very much for anyone that's listened uh, listened to the first two episodes, given any feedback, comments. We are very much approving of it. If anyone wants to send in anything, questions or anything of that nature, 
please do. Uh, this is not just our podcast. We'd like to get more people involved and, and chatting and, and, you know, having a little bit of uh, conversation and that sort of stuff. And um, we, have quite, we have a couple of platforms that people can contact us with or interact with our content on now. Yes, we've got the old tweeting of Twitter, we've got the Facebooking of Facebook, and then we've got the tumbling of Tumblr, and the pressing of the words. Yes, so I'll, I'll just run it down through. We are facebook.com slash link to the cast. We are Twitter. Uh, our, our Twitter handle is at link to the cast. We are link to the cast.tumblr.com and link to the cast.wordpress.com. Uh, our WordPress is where we'll be centralizing a lot of our content from now on, so. When you see a link pop up in your Twitter feed or on your Facebook page that has the new podcast, this episode in it, the link you'll be brought to is on the new WordPress site, which I think is looking reasonably okay for something I did while I was half knocked out on antibiotics. You did a solid job. I'm proud of you. <laughs> thank you very much, Mark. Cool. Um, yeah, so again, once again, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will see you again in about a week's time. Bye.